Welcome, welcome to the Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronku. Today's guest is Dr. Sarah Rabinovich, and we'll be talking about how to embrace the idea of leadership when the term itself doesn't feel quite natural or quite right for you. And so how do you step into your power with mentorship and actionable steps? It's a perfect focus for this season's theme of developing leadership identity. And it's great to have you on the show, Sarah. Thank you. It's so good to be here, Mira. And um, I have been working with Mira for quite some time, and it's been hugely impactful. So um, I'm so glad to to talk today and to share some about our work, which is very relevant, and um, some of my journey. So thank you, Mira. Very, very kind. Sarah's one of my favorite people, so very excited to have her on. And actually back, you might notice, uh, recognize her from January 2nd. On January 2nd, we had um, several founding members and advisory board members from our Towerscope Leadership Academy program, and she was one of them. Um, she was already slated to be on the show anyway, um, so this is um, round two for me and Sarah. Yeah. So as a reminder, everybody on the show, we discuss how to develop the nuanced hard skills, not soft skills needed to drive significant systemic change to make real impact through your leadership. Be ready, take notes, I always do, reflect deeply and identify at least one small step to further develop your hard skills muscles based on what you learned today. Um, A little bit about Dr. Sarah Rabinovich. She is a clinical psychologist by training an expert in evidence-based therapies for anxiety disorders, obsessive compulsive disorder or OCD, and traumatic stress. She's also a trainer and consultant for employee well-being and inclusion across sectors, including finance, tech, media, and athletics. And that's um, actually an interesting background that she has. And she's also the founder of Equiskills app by MinMind, an on-demand research-informed app for companies that want effective, actionable solutions for their employee well-being and DEI needs. Dr. Sarah is also an adjunct assistant professor in psychiatry and behavioral sciences at Keck Medical of USC, where she supervises and trains medical students. So yeah, she keeps busy. (laughs) Thank you, Mira, for that. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, Let's um, let's ease into this a little bit, Sarah. How did you end up from clinical psychology <laughs> into app development? Oh, quite and a jump! The, all of like the integration of um, DEI and mindfulness and anxiety work. There's there's a lot of interest there. Yeah. Um, how did you come to this space? Yeah, well, it's very interesting. And um, I know when you think about a clinical psychologist, someone who's sitting across from you and um, actively listening and, and helping you solve problems, you don't often think app Yeah, develop. forget that. She doesn't listen. <laughs> <laughs> and in fact, I did not myself build the app. I could never do that. Um, and I had a, a wonderful engineering team build it. But how did I get from being a clinical psychologist to their... Um, I should say it's been, I'll even go back a little bit further, that I was an athlete, um, speaking of what you were saying, I was a college basketball player way back when, um, uh, 20 years, yeah, 20 years now, um, and power forward, not that anyone asked, but, um, and so I um, have always been someone who kind of like sees goal setting as being critical to moving forward in anything, whether that's perfecting your free throw, whether that's um, learning to overcome depression, um, and like whether that's figuring out how to be empowered and embodied in the workplace to climb up the ladder, if you will. And so although they seem kind of disparate, they're very much connected. And so I was a clinical psychologist for a long time and um, was doing lots of mindfulness training during COVID with different organizations and um workshops and mental skills and um, actually at this time met with Mira and um, which was extremely fortuitous and um, I was at sort of a a crossroads I was in this consultation part of my work was building up and I had all these um, organizations nonprofit and corporate reaching out to do 
DEI and um, mental wellness workshops and trainings and conferences. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I, I'm like, <laughs> and I feel like I've hacked this weird system. Like I even was reflecting on this initial conversation that Mira and I had like four years ago. Um, and she's like, you think everyone can do that? And um, talk about soft skills being hard skills, but I didn't know. I mean, I was a psychologist. I assumed, yeah. Um, so um, with, through working with you, Mira, honestly, it was very, very integral to um, my movement into the tech sphere. Um, after doing about three years of consultation work and workshops and conferences, folks were saying at the organizations like in companies, hey, give us more resources. Like, you know, we want our employees to be skilled up and um, to stay. We want to retain them. We want to capitalize on productivity. And <clears throat> I was like, well, I'm going to develop an app. And I developed a pretty shoddy, I'm very behavior science focused, a pretty shoddy Squarespace app that Mira um, actually was, I think, the second person after my I wife. I had a chance to look at it and play around <laughs> with it early on. I knew her when. <laughs> and Mira, you have helped me uh immensely in moving through different developmental stages of this. And we are now um, in the beta testing stage. And um, so it's really exciting. And um, I think this journey absolutely coincided with the journey in leadership identity. So it's um, quite relevant to, to the, to the talk today. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So um, with all of the roles that you've had, right, like there's the business owner role. There's the trainer role that you mentioned. There's um, founder of, you know, the app. There's your supervisor and mentor to, to others um, where they looked at you as a leader in those roles, right? But um, what made it hard for you to step into seeing yourself in that way? Oh, that's such a good question. I, I, I think that like the broader scope here is that like when we think about what a leader looks like we have lots of prototypes that enter our minds i mean for folks who are listening to this right now when you hear the word leader what comes to your mind really implicitly I mean, for me it's a host of different cultural identities that are um you know white male taller i guess there's shorter male leaders too but stature is one factor in this um uh, we think about personality characteristics like dominant and um, scrupulous and delegating and sometimes ruthless, all these characteristics. And and so I look in the mirror and I reflect on my personality traits and um, they are like couldn't be further um, from those I just listed. And so like I thought, like, how can I how could I identify as a leader? Um I'm a woman. I have a Jewish last name. I'm Jewish. I am an LGBTQ community member, happily married with um, two kids, one on the way. And I am, you know, so I'm a mom and I am um, free spirited. I don't know if you can tell probably from my background. Um, I'm not the most organized person in the world, that to say the least. Um, my wife is our family CEO. So no, no, no part of my personality fits into what this kind of prototype would convey. And um, so it was immensely hard for me to identify with this concept of being a leader. Um, and honestly, I, it's, it still is hard at times. My my confidence ebbs and flows, as most people probably does. Yeah. And, you know, um, this brings up a really good question. You work in the DEI space, right? So you work a lot with people's identities, but especially those from marginalized backgrounds. And you already know how important it is to have a sense of identity and to connect with it. And then what it means when that sense of identity is not accepted, it's rejected, it's invalidated in the workspace and beyond. Um, and so I'm curious um, for you, when you're thinking about leadership identity, do you see that as different? Do you see it as an important piece of, um, when you were describing, like when you were describing who I am and how I see myself and how we define and how we see leaders. There's a lot related to that acceptance of who I am doesn't fit into that identity, right? So I'm just sort of curious your thoughts on that. 
That's such a good question, Mira. Like, and honestly, like I, I do think it's so important to, and I, I, I didn't actually, when I first started working with you, I was like, well, is that, who cares if I have a leader's um, identity? I truly, because I didn't know I was, you know, hadn't been in um, domains necessarily where I identified with leaders or thought it to be important. And I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, I guess, and I, and I, you know, I'm a pretty confident person in some domains. So I was like, I don't know, do I need to identify as a leader? And but I, I actually think it's so important, especially for folks who have marginalized identities, because it infiltrates so much. And really, Mira, I, I don't think I appreciated this fact until um, engaging with the cohort in Towerscope um, and working with you that, like, if you don't think you're a leader, especially if you have marginalized identities, it is going to show in how you carry yourself in your self-talk, in the strength of your asks, in the persistence of your nose, in um, what you go for, what what you, uh, social justice is really important to me, like, and as a social justice advocate, like, where, where my voice would be completely lost if I wasn't able to embody these qualities that, um, and this, this identity of a leader. And um, so I, I, I think it's so important, especially for those of us who are um, in traditionally marginalized communities who, who are not seen as leaders by the majority. No. Um, that is beautifully said. I was trying to write every single word that you said there. Um, given that, what does it take to reconcile the, um, the, the perspective that we have about leadership and leaders? And, and the identity that we've been told um, we must have versus how you see yourself, how you want to see yourself, and what you would find as um, supportive and embracing of who you are. Yeah, I, I mean, I think all the way mentorship and not just mentorship, but I think um, mentorship that's well matched. Like I, re I recall from what, however many years ago, five years, because I reached out and then was pregnant and sick and and then reached out again after the babies were born and the twin, not babe, so twins, yeah. Um, and um, I remember really resonating with a lot of the work that you were doing, that the um, your team was all women and um, you, and they were, you were training and supporting them and advocating for them. And you had done a host of um, like transformative projects throughout the VA and you were launching into other spheres. And I, I, you seemed so um, genuine and the questions that you asked me and the listening that felt so um, viscerally on point made me realize that like, similar to when you work with a therapist, um, hopefully like, you know, you feel heard and mirrored and not uh, the kind of vehicle of someone else's agenda being imposed upon you. Um, you know, because like you're saying, Mira, like it, it's an individual journey to reconcile um, who you see yourself as and how society sees you with the aspirations you might have or I might have like to become a leader. Um, so I think mentorship is critical, really. Mm. Uh, and uh, thank you for, for yours. But <laughs> thank you. Um, absolutely. Let's dig into like why and how it works. Right. You you had you mentioned something about well matched. So let's dig into that after we come back from the ad break. So we are reaching an ad break. You're listening to the hard skills with me, Dr. Mira Branco, and our guest, Dr. Sarah Rabinovich. We air Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern. If you would like to join our um, online audience and ask questions right now, we can answer them in real time. You can find us on LinkedIn or at YouTube at talkradio.nyc. And we'll be right back with our guests in just a moment. Are you a conscious co creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mira Bronku, host of 
the hard skills on talkradio.nyc at 5 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to the hard skills on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Welcome back with me, Dr. Mira Branku, on the hard skills and our guest, Dr. Sarah Rabinovich. Um, we have been, we went right into it. I mean, we like dove deep right dove in. into <laughs> identity, identity development, how you reconcile when your um, own perception of your identity um, and or if you're coming from um, an identity that is marginalized is not um, reflected in, um, you know, society's um, perceptions of leaders. How do you reconcile that? And especially when you are trying to make a difference, be noticed, be um, have your voice heard, and um, you know, and you need to sort of step into it. And so Sarah um, started talking about how mentorship is a key to that. I totally actually didn't even connect the fact that it is National Mentorship Month. So this is perfect for this month. Um, So um, you mentioned a well-matched mentorship. So let's, let's get into that. What is, what does it mean to be well-matched? Why do you um, need to be looking for and identifying a good match? What, what is a good match? Um, If people are like, yes, I need a mentor. I want a mentor. Uh, How do I find one? what what are the things that you were looking for? What are the things that you have found um, really help you? Mm-hmm. That's a really good question. I I haven't I I said well matched without even like breaking it down in my head about what that meant. And you can break it down now. Yeah, yeah. No, and I've been breaking it down as you've been asking the question. I was thinking like well matched. Like I think one important feature of that is finding a mentor who has a different skill set from you that, and I don't know that this is true for everyone, but I know for me that it's incredibly helpful to work with a mentor like you, Mira, who offers a very different set of skills because having a different set of skills helps you, I think, mentor in a way that expand, that helps the person you're mentoring expand upon their skill set. And I kind of think you, you can, you know, this right away when you meet with someone and wonder if they'd be a, a good mentor for you, you think about your fit as a mentor. Like I, I think in our initial conversations, I felt myself like my, I felt my mind expanded. Like I was pulled to think about things that I hadn't thought about. And from perspectives that like someone who was in my brain wouldn't necessarily have. And I left our first meeting thinking, wow, I learned a lot. You know, how you talk to someone, whether it's in a mentorship meeting or at work or even someone you meet at a bar or an airport or something. And you, and you say, wow, like you think about the conversation later because it shifted, expanded some, some cognitive paradigm that you have. I think that is a a critical part of it really. Mm. Yeah. Um, I really like this idea of um, complimentary a lot of us sort of um, feel so comfortable with the same thing that sometimes we seek a mentor who just um, reflects what we were already thinking. And that might be validating and it might be supportive and it might feel good for a short period of time, but it certainly doesn't push you to grow and think about things in different ways. And so 
to your credit, you thought to yourself, um, this is challenging me. And I like that. (laughs) Right. Um, this, this is, um, giving me such a different perspective and, um, that is something that I want. Not everybody does that calculation mm-hmm. to fill a gap that they're experiencing because um, that requires you to have enough um, vulnerability and insight to recognize like, I have a gap and there's something that I'm looking for to fill it and it will take some work for me to get there. Totally. And to have some baseline confidence that like, you know, uh, like you're saying, confidence that you can be vulnerable and that you you need to grow and that it will be hard and that some things will kind of push you off kilter, but change happens when we're off kilter. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, when it comes to a mentor related to leadership identity in particular, because uh, we have lots of mentors to guide us through our careers, right? But when it comes to like to guide us through a leadership identity um, model development, leaning into it. Um, is there anything else that, um, makes sense to seek? Yeah, I think, I think one very important part is finding someone with who on some cultural level can understand you that like someone who has been in your shoes to some capacity before you were trained as a psychologist or psychologist and, um, identify as a woman. And I think that is for me being a woman in this sphere, like it was so important for me to have a strong female mentor when I thought about moving into a leadership domain. And, um, I also was really looking for someone who I genuinely liked as a person and respected as a person. I know that sounds, um, you know, as a psychologist, <laughs> but it's very important. And, and I think both in conjunction. Um, so I also think it's part of my language, choosing a mentor who can see outside their own shit, you know, like in leadership development is so important since like you met, I mean, we've all been on journeys and, uh, all sorts of leaders who are mentors in leadership are going through their own kind of bureaucratic catastrophes every second. And so I think being able to having a mentor who's truly grounded and can like see outside their own context to help you develop your identity merely because like they want to help you forge your identity, not for any other agenda, I think is so important. And I absolutely um, have found that in our work, as I've shared with you a bunch of times. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I will add um, a few others that I've sort of learned over time are important for um, any mentoring relationship. Um, and one is it needs to feel mutually beneficial. And for the mentee, you don't always realize it actually is. Um, like I had an amazing mentor who after, you know, a 10-year, a you know, sort of working relationship, working together, um, and I left my, my position, uh, which, which meant I, I couldn't continue with seeking, you know, and having his mentorship in that way for that role. Um, I wrote him a, a letter and I said, you know, here are the 15 ways that you have, um, impacted my life. And, um, you know, I just, so I'm so grateful. I so appreciate, I don't, I just don't know where I'd be, you know, with, without your mentorship. And, um, he said, Mira, you do know this was mutually beneficial, right? Like I got as much out of it as you did. And here's the, the 15 things I got out of it, you know? And I'm like, yes. Okay. (laughs) That makes sense. It did not occur to me, but um, in order for a mentoring relationship to, to truly work, um, you know, it, it's often that both um, parties are are getting something out of it. And even if you don't realize it, right. So um, mm-hmm. that's one. And um, it sort of goes into my second point, um, which is that when it's lopsided, when it doesn't feel right, um, it's often that the mentor sees you as a narcissistic extension of them. Mm-hmm. Um, meaning uh, you're smiling because you're a psychologist, you know exactly what I mean. But for those of you who like 
are not psychologists and are like, what does that mean? That sounds loaded. Um, just basically meaning that um, they see you as someone who could play out their legacy. And so the feedback that they give you, the advice that they give you is less about you and more about their needs and how you can fulfill their needs. And it feels wrong and it feels bad and you might not know why, but that's usually a very lopsided relationship, right? That's a good point. I think that's what I meant by seeing past your own craft that, yeah, that, that I never have never felt like a narcissistic um, appendage of you. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. been there a couple of times yeah, when people, when mentors have introduced me and like, you could just tell, you could feel they're like walking me into the room in order to elevate their status because like, look at this wonderful person and what she's achieved. Doesn't that make me amazing? <laughs> and I'm like, ew, this feels bad. <laughs> and I built you and I own you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes. Um, so um, that's what sort of goes into, you know, some of the sort of thoughtful, well-matched, as you say, mentoring relationship. Um, and when it comes to uh, leadership identity, um, it's it's something more than that. I mean, I, I think what there's there's something I feel like you um, were seeking that I think people would really benefit from hearing about um, trying to reconcile a couple of things. Um, you know what what did it take to get to the point where you were like, yes, I see myself in a leadership role, even if it doesn't fit like the old traditional mold. I see myself in that way and it feels good to me. Hmm. That's a great question. I mean, I, it still does vacillate to an extent, like, and I think just based on life events and based on uh, professional events that happen, um, it's very physical feeling. Interestingly, mm -hmm. it's a very physical feeling. And you, I began to see myself as someone who almost had physical strength, um, <laughs> which is really but when we think about like leadership and identity, like we behaviorally have to enact certain steps the way you mentioned in the introduction. Um, I also like realized that like, I no longer had tolerance for BS. Like oh. you know, I think I went through and I've been very diplomatic at, at times. And, and, and I think there's a lot of effectiveness in being someone who's able to be diplomatic and um, has those soft skills or hard skills. Um, and uh, I, re I, I, my tolerance for BS now is very, very low. Like I, I got a text from a, someone who's not a supervisor, who's my uh, same level as me, basically saying like, uh, when can you talk today? It was a Friday. When can a colleague? Yeah. When can you talk today? These are the times that I have available. Um, I literally didn't even my I normally I'd, I would feel anxious like if I didn't if I hadn't come into my own I'd be like oh my gosh they need to talk to me like what did I do wrong that's like who the heck is this person like I am busy all day and then I'm getting off work at 2 p.m and I'm picking up my twins and holding them tightly and then I'm getting on my Vespa and I'm having fun and not thinking about this and I think it 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 really comes down to self-respect and embodied self. -respect. I just wrote that on my piece of paper. <laughs> yes, um, it it sounds like you know respect for self, um, which helps you put the boundaries and um, you know the messaging out there that you know I respect myself and I expect other people to respect me too, just as much as I respect myself. Yeah, right? and then yes, she did text me three days later and said like when you have a chance at your earliest convenience and I thought like point made sign yeah. up yeah know. yeah um yeah absolutely we um we don't realize how much um you know we train other people to treat us in certain ways whether that's good or bad um of course there's there's some people who could not care less how you want to be treated but um we do have some control and power over that Okay, we are um, actually nearing an ad break. We are, um, you're listening to The Hard Skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronku, and our guest, Dr. Sarah Rabinovich, and we'll be right back um, in just a moment. Hey, everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. 
Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape driving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Were you an essential worker during the pandemic? If you needed to learn stages of epilepsy, did you depend on advocates? Did you use new innovations to cope with mental and neurological issues? Maintaining high quality of life and keeping good mental health are what we all strive for. I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each week, top healthcare influencers, professionals, and innovators answer these questions and more. Stay tuned on Thursdays at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will continue to be frank about health with all of you. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the Heart Skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronku, and our guest, Dr. Sarah Rabinovich. Um, Dr. Sarah, you ha- you are a multi-talented woman who has somehow figured out a way to apply performance psychology from your athlete days and working with athletes with DEI work, with mindfulness and anxiety and trauma stress expertise, all in one, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is not something most people can imagine doing. Um, you're like you're like creating recipes, um, special uh, ingredients that turn it into what you do. Um, how do you see these coming together in a way that sort of meets a very unique, um, you know, uh, population of people, um, especially leaders and organizations? Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for the compliment, although I think a lot of it more has to do with being someone who just is so like insatiably curious about the world and different things. And I'm constantly teaching myself um, all sorts of different skills. So but I appreciate it. Um, And how do all these things go together? They go together very neatly. Let me think. Um, Well, I was talking to an athlete. I work. um, We have a contract with the NCAA. And so we work with athletes um, uh, through my private practice and this athlete is injured and was saying, you know, I don't know what, what, I don't know what the future is going to hold a a very, very smart um, young woman. um, uh, And a woman who's from the UK who um, identifies as half black and half Latina. And um, she's like, you know, I don't, I don't know, like what, what is next for me? I'm not sure, you know, what skills I have are transferable. And so, and and I was telling her like all of them in, in doing my, um, a lot of, leadership uh support of leaders um and working on issues of dei and mental wellness and looking at like what makes a strong leader athletes have the recipe they really do and so if you think about it like i'll kind of use this analogy to tie it all together like having played college basketball like you've got your you know your basketball player um for those of you who know basketball most people do um and um you know like let's say like you know it's one of the one of the big guys down by the paint i was a big girl down by the paint actually um and you you can't tell that i'm six feet tall and so we think you know not that's actually not that tall for a big girl down in the paint though but so we've got this big big guy big girl big trans non-binary person whatever someone's identity is down in the court and like an athlete has to make so many decisions like there's so much mental flexibility that's needed to um, figure out one, like where am I, where am I going to go from here? Am I going to fake up? 
And am I going to go under and score? Am I going to pass it back out because I'm realizing that I'm over my head and I can't do this alone? Um, am I going to pivot because I'm realizing that there's this whole space that I don't even know exists and I want to learn more about it and I'm brave enough to endeavor? As I'm saying these things, you're probably thinking, oh, yeah, like a leader absolutely has to do that. And when we think about like what the qualities of a leader, someone who can be fearless, someone who can stand well under pressure, someone who can pivot, someone who's a darn good teammate, someone who truly says, okay, these are my personal needs and goals. And like, what are the team's goals? Because I can't do this myself. So someone who's inherently a team player, someone who can, when we talk about stress and how that connects into this, like someone who can weather stress, who has for an athlete, a stress fracture and can get up and keep going and both nurture oneself, nurture the team, receive feedback, receive nurturance, and also move forward. We think about the same with a leader who's resilient to stress, resilient to economic changes that happen and that, um, you know, create lots of chaos within an organization. Um, and I think they tie in so well. And when we think about like skills, as an, an athlete develops skills and works on these skills and knows that they can always improve. I think that's the same for a leader. Being humble, being open, being persistent and being flexible. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all of these um, are, what I like about these is it goes beyond the sort of basics of um, how we define leadership from the outside, um, as, you know, um, uh, you know, like you said, tall, white male who, you know, is, um, dominant and decisive or whatever, but, um, it starts moving it into like, what is a leader offering to others and to the world? What is the environment the leader is creating for other people? And how are they reaching higher level of performance um, for the organization by engaging in um, many of these skills that are much more of an internal fortitude, um, mm -hmm. as well as um, a lot of emotional regulation and emotional awareness. Totally. Totally. Yeah. The skills that can't be overstated when we look at the research on like qualities in a leader, people leave in, people leave managers, not jobs. We look at qualities in leaders that are like correlated to astronomical levels with employee retention, productivity, the future of organizations, um, like these soft skills, so to speak, are not soft at all. Like we're playing hardball when we think about some of those outcomes that are like well, well documented in the research. Yeah, absolutely. And so then, um, you know, of course, when you start learning how to use these skills and embodying them, and you see the impact that it has on your team, on others, on the organization, of course, um, you're going to feel physical strength, like you were saying, like the experience of physical strength that you had comes from the competency that you experience with being really effective at creating the environment that you want for yourself, right? Now, I'm going to challenge, I'm gonna, it's not a challenge. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you a completely different way of looking at this. Um, parallel process here. How do you apply these skills to you building your business? How do you think about these same skills to you building your own business? I think that's a really good question. And the biggest skill I think that has improved a ton in working with you and drives all of this is confidence. And it's the, it's the underlying factor here that I feel confident, even though I'm stuck in the beta stages and haven't moved and I'm trying to do all these things and I'm kind of limited in terms of my daytime availability because I've got kids and um it's like I don't know I constantly revisit some of our conversations and this physical feeling within me that's confident that says like no I'm doing I'm gonna do this I I it it 
buffers against feeling flustered. It buffers against um, comparisons and thinking, oh man, well, that founder's doing that. Well, yeah, that founder's single without kids and, you know, 10 years younger and, um, you know, <laughs> all these different things. Like, and I think, okay, like, so it buffers against all of these factors, I think, um, for me. Um, the other pieces, pivoting is so important. Oh my gosh, you know, with my Squarespace crappy website, like, talk about a pivot. I, I, put it out there. Um, one of my dear, dear um, colleagues uh, who is in a, a very high position as like the global global director of DEI at a huge company was um, nice enough to look at my Squarespace. Um, and she uh, happens to be a woman of color. And she said, like, I'm not going to pilot this even for free. I'm not piloting this with my um, team because I felt completely other during it. And then looked at me and said, what was that like? I could imagine you feeling kind of hurt. And, um, and I said, I, I do feel hurt. Yeah. So I think here we go, vulnerability and connection and teamwork. I do feel hurt. Like I, I, I didn't even think about that. And, um, and it was so powerful that she actually was my first beta. Her company was my first beta tester um, because uh, we've stayed in touch and I've been humble. I'm like, we're, we gotta, we gotta be teammates in this. Cause you know so much about this. And um, so I think uh, like, Teamwork, being open to what you don't know, being open to pivot, taking risks um, is a huge one that is um, is scary, but staying the course, believing in yourself. Um, what were some of the other ones? Finding a mentor who offers a, a complementary or different skill set to yours, because like... I mean, I, I assumed that I could beta test and launch with without like formal marketing and certain like systemic procedures that are like critical. When we think about like SEO and AI and all that. And like, like it, you really just need to, you really need to expand and have um, the other folks who have different sets of expertise support you and a mentor who says, hey, here's a gap. You need this, you need this, you need this. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, some people might think, so you mentioned um, confidence, but then you started really going into like also having vulnerability, um, being humble, taking risks, um, and especially around the vulnerability and humility and being open to feedback, which you were incredibly open to feedback. And that's probably what it made your colleague find it so easy to give you feedback, right? Um, some people might think that those things are at odds with confidence because we have this perception that you're supposed to act confident and when you act confident you're invulnerable right how do you how do you see the two reconcile like i have confidence and i'm vulnerable i have confidence and i'm humble it's such a good question and i actually was working on the um manager there's two sets of skills and in, in the app and part of them are manager skills and like how to ask yourself in an algorithm fashion like like what questions factor into your decision to be vulnerable and how and with whom and and making an informed decision about whether it will undermine your power in some way or whether it will actually increase your power or, or whether and whether power is even um a uh important aspect of this um honestly i tend to think that like being vulnerable but being vulnerable when about things that you don't feel torn up by torn up by is the way to go. Like, and I think about this as a therapist too. Like, if you're still working through some of your SHIT or as a manager, you are actually super insecure and you're like being completely micromanaged by someone above you. And then you open up about this issue that you haven't fully tackled. Like, I think that you are compromising your effectiveness. That I think like vulnerability in some ways, especially when it comes from a leader downward or a leader with other leaders like does require like you having already done some work on this like I think um if I had not already done like a lot of work in like white racial identity and um looking at my biases and feeling comfortable talking about issues related to um racism and anti-racist campaigns and I think I would have been really thrown off by feedback um, by the feedback that I received from my colleague and I wouldn't have been able to be vulnerable and I shouldn't, if I was vulnerable, like, I think that would have really, really discredited my groundedness and my, um, kind of blew, blow a hole in my, um, kind of 
showcase my ignorance and <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't allow the other person to feel safe and trusting. Um, I think it goes back to what you were saying, Mira, about how like when we find a mentor who is treats us almost like a narcissistic appendage of them, like it's not helpful for anyone and you can feel it right away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, lots of juicy stuff there. And I'm going to pause us right there to go into another ad break. You're listening to the hard skills and we will be right back in just a moment. Are you a high achieving growth oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mira Bronku, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 5 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Welcome back to the hard skills with me, Dr. Mira Bronku, and with our guest, Dr. Sarah Rabinovich. We are talking about um, leaning into embracing your leadership identity. We've been exploring lots of different ways how to think about reconciling the difference between what we see out there, the messages we get, how we see ourselves, um, how we approach this. And we really started digging into um, you know, confidence versus vulnerability. What does vulnerability look like? And um, as a final sort of um, focus here, what we haven't really touched on is we've talked a lot about how we show up and what we can offer and bring to others. We haven't really talked as much, aside from the mentorship role, about our social support, our network, our community, um, and how that can help us lean into um, our growth areas uh, that vulnerability, that humility, the the um, ways in which we develop the confidence needed when we're just not sure. Um, and so I'm, I'm curious to hear, Dr. Sarah, for you, um, what has, um, you know, been your experience with um, that aspect, the social support and community aspect when it comes to your own growth in your leadership journey? And you're on mute. <laughs> that's, that's a good question I think it's such an important piece I'm glad you bring it up um I think surround I think well so um having participated in the tower scope um uh beta, beta test was it beta test or alpha test beta test it was it was a beta test yeah the leadership yeah. academy yeah. beta test was last year mm -hmm. yeah um one of the things that stood out I guess like twofold like one where I think about how to move forward and needing the support of a group. I think about the importance of like having role models within the group and also having uh, folks with different areas of expertise. Like what I really appreciated even within um, the, so the leadership Academy is broken into pods, there's healthcare, there's tech, there's education. Is there one more? Nope. That was it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and like, even within the pods, there were folks with like vastly different areas of expertise. 
um, like in the tech pod, for example, like I'm a very different person than someone who's been a high level manager at a variety of Fortune 500 companies and spearheaded, uh, you know, and managed 300 people. Um, so like, and I was the only one who's a trained psychologist and could talk about burnout and talk about like working with negative thought patterns and imposter syndrome. And it was so helpful to have to kind of bounce ideas off in a group that felt truly safe to be vulnerable. Like these weren't, you know, it's not folks who are uh, even like thinking about working with you or hiring you or you're hiring them or working with them. Like you're really truly there to provide support, encouragement and resources to one another. And when we level the playing field like that and surround ourselves with um, like-minded peers who we respect greatly, who we can learn from and who we can be vulnerable with as we explore our own leadership identities. Like there's no more ripe of a uh, soil to really grow into whatever flower, plant, vegetable you want to become. Um, and I think it, it takes those three ingredients. Yeah, absolutely. And I just, uh, I'm recalling my own sort of um, areas of growth as I've you know, navigated my own leadership journey. And um, yes, it took mentorship and that was critical. And um, every time I surrounded myself with, um, you know, people that I admired, especially women in leadership, because you don't see that as often, right? Of people who sort of represent um, your experience in some way and um, you can see yourself through them, right? Um, but especially like ones that um, were non-competitive, right? Did not did not feel a need to compete with me, um, but really were supportive, challenging, pushing me just enough um, because they wanted, they were just as excited about my own growth, you know, as they were about their personal journey and mine, right? Um, and I was, and um, that makes such a difference as compared to um, when you find yourself surrounded by people who are naysayers, who are pessimists about your future, who, um, you know, give you messages that um, they are anxious or nervous for you, so you might as well not try, who limit your risk-taking because they haven't worked through their own, you know, experiences with that, right? Yeah. yeah. And who conveys subtle hostility. Like I was thinking about like how you can really trust someone and like mm -hmm. being a group setting. And like we, we, when we decipher like who we're going to trust, I do a lot of work with polyvagal theory. Like when we decipher who we're going to trust, we're literally looking at the, these regions of the eyes and the mouth that convey either like a fake smile mm -hmm. uh, or a real smile. Or, uh, and we know right away if someone feels anxious for our success, if someone feels threatened by us, if someone mm -hmm. feels if someone's saying one thing, but their face is saying something else, we feel anxiety in our bodies because there's discordance and listening to that gut feeling. That's part of what I learned from you, Mira. And this is like, when you feel like when something feels off, something is off and listen to it. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. We talked about a lot of things today. <laughs> uh, what is the one thing that you would like people to take away from today? people to know that like it's okay to dream and I don't know I read a book a long time ago by a colleague Scott Provenance that was called fail to learn and all about this premise that like the only way we learn by failing over and over and taking those risks because if you if you don't take those risks we never know what happens on the other side but also like we miss out on so many learning experiences that become the foundation of, of our work and take risks, believe in yourself and surround yourself with a mentor and a mentoring group of colleagues who in your gut, you can tell truly support you from the inside out. Um, and so you're not, you're not going at it alone. No. Yeah. Uh, that's resonating a lot. And you're reminding me of, I remember sitting at a table and um, my mentor commenting um, something I hadn't seen in myself, which is, I see you as a very brave person. You're very brave. 
And I thought to myself, the only reason I'm brave is because you like allowed me and pushed me to be brave. Like that, you created the environment to be brave. So um, totally resonating with that message um, from both perspectives. If people want to learn more about your work, where can they go? Uh, uh, my website, pacificmindful.com. I can put it in the chat. Um, oops. If I, if I click on the chat, will it go there? It's. Um, well, uh, people won't see it, so you can just, just spell it, it out. So Pacific, like Pacific Ocean, and then mindful, M-N-D-F-L.com. Um, and same for my uh, Instagram handle where I post a bunch of stuff. Um, but check it out. Great, great. And do check it out because um, it is beautiful. Um, let me just quickly share my screen here and um, just show people if you're watching in the moment. Look at this. How yeah. calming is this? Breathe with us, it says on the front page. <laughs> Come on in, it says on the front page. It's just, ah, oh, the, the whole page is stunning and it makes you feel already calm. There's lots of information here. So please do go uh, pacificmndfl.com. Okay, so we uh, covered a lot today. Uh, if you would like to explore more about how we can help you with your leadership or team development services, you can check us out at gotowerscope.com. You can also learn there about the leadership um, academy that Sarah went through that she described. So what is one thing that you take away, audience? More importantly, what's one small change you can implement this week based on what you learned from Sarah? Share it with us on LinkedIn or Instagram. Sarah's big on both. Um, and um, find us there or at talkradio.nyc so we could cheer you on. Uh, so we're also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, all over the place. Okay, you can find us there. You can also find us after this recorded on iTunes and Spotify as a podcast. Please like, share, review to increase our visibility and reach. Thank you for Talk Radio for hosting. I'm Dr. Mira Bronku, the host of the Hard Skills Show. And thank you for joining us today with our guest, Dr. Sarah Rabinovich. Have a great rest of your day wherever you're tuning in from. Bye, all. Bye. Were you an essential worker during the pandemic? If you needed to learn stages of epilepsy, did you depend on advocates? Did you use new innovations to cope with mental and neurological issues? Maintaining high quality of life and keeping good mental health are what we all strive for. I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each week, top healthcare influencers, professionals, and innovators answer these questions and more. Stay tuned on Thursdays at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will continue to be Frank About Health with all of you. What really drives success in business? Introducing Intangify, the show that explores the intangible assets that create value and growth. I'm Matthew Asbell, your host and an attorney focused on innovation. Join me Fridays at noon Eastern to discover how innovation, culture, and other intangibles shape thriving companies from startups to established businesses. We'll share strategies to unleash your business's true potential. Tune in live on talkradio.nyc Fridays at noon Eastern and Intangify your business today. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? 
I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you a high-achieving, growth-oriented leader? Are you interested in developing your authentic leadership while creating a healthy, inclusive workplace? Hi, I'm Dr. Mira Bronku, host of The Hard Skills on talkradio.nyc at 5 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays, where we discuss how leaders develop the hard skills needed to make a greater impact. We interview experts, have live coaching, and tackle these challenges. Listen to The Hard Skills on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.